Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of GreenLink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. My name is Joe Yusia. I'm the CEO from Infinite IT, and I've got my co-hosts and best buds in the world, Mayan Herrera and Craig Hickman with me. What's up? That entry was too exciting for me to handle. <laughs> Today, we got a special guest, my business partner, Chris Stock, CIO from Infinite IT, has joined us, and uh, he's going to kind of elaborate on some of his thoughts on things and ask strong silent type the strong silent type <laughs> i've seen him lift things before we we have a motto at infinite it's called the blinking light rule if it's got a blinking light it's chris's responsibility if it doesn't it's mine that's usually the the delineation and it kind of works for us but we've built this company over the last decade to to what it is and whatnot and today we're going to have a great conversation about protecting what you have protecting what you've built Let's take this away, boys. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting conversation because you, you work so hard to build something and gain these customers or, or whatever it is, and you want to make sure that you protect it. This can go in so many directions, whether it's protection from an agreement standpoint, protection legally, protection in terms of taking care of your customer, all those things. So, Chris, what, what do you want to talk about? The biggest thing I, I always think is if you keep the customer happy, then you don't have to worry about protecting them. Because honestly, a happy customer is someone that's not going to leave you. Whether that's making sure what's right is done for them from a end user's perspective or making sure that we plan for their business needs in the long run, not letting the fad of the day overtake what the business actually needs. How do you know? Let's say, fine, you're handling their tickets and you're handling their issues, right? But sometimes these customers, just because you're handling their stuff, they don't realize that I haven't heard from you. Are you really working on my stuff? Well, I hate to say it, but we should hear from us one way or another, whether it be based on our quarterly reviews or we ask for our customers for feedback and everything we do. Because ultimately, it's a, it's a two-way street. We can't fix something if we don't know what something's broken. For example, every single interaction with us, we try and get a survey 
uh, back to us. Nothing fancy, nothing long, just a simple, hey, are you happy with what we've done? If not, let us know. Because honestly, no one's perfect. We know we're not perfect. But give us the opportunity to be better for you next time. And that's always been a big model of Infinite IT. We've always been eat our own dog food and uh, make that customer experience better. I like to eat steak. Steak sounds better. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to eat dog food. What's so funny about that? It's true. Steak is better. What's a steak dog food? (laughs) But it's true, though. Everything we do, we've always been, hey, do it for us first, and then make sure it's right for a customer before we start uh, forcing something down someone's throat. That's not what we're here for. We're ultimately to make so that the customer makes money so that we can make money. If I look at that from a Greenlink standpoint, that's the reason why we give partners the free service, because we want them to use our service, like it, and then from there, sell it. So I, I completely agree with that. And in terms of from a MSP standpoint, I, I think, you know, especially some of the smaller MSPs or those that are starting that listen to the podcast, they really knew, need to spend those, that time in the QBRs and, and sending out surveys and things like that to make sure that they, they have a pulse of how the customer feels. So I completely agree. Joe, you're pretty quiet today since your partner in crime is here. Yes. Tell us, Joe, your random thoughts for the day. Go. I was letting you guys get your, your two cents in before I take over like usual, right? <laughs> I, I say proof is in the pudding. When you have customers... More food references. Can we do something else? Let's talk about kale. Let's talk about kale. No one wants kale, man. <laughs> no one wants kale. Mm, kale is the... Oh, nope. Already did that. Did you put kale in your coffee today, Craig? Is that what you did? Is that why you're so chipper? Don't make me more grumpier. Grumpier, grumpy-less. I don't know. Move on. So what I find very interesting, and, and you know you're doing a good job, is when a vendor, maybe not intentionally is trying to circumvent you, but as you know, the manufacturers have all been hurting in 2020, and they're scrambling to make their numbers, and they're going and contacting customers directly, and the customer doesn't reply and forwards you the email saying, why are they contacting me? That actually kind of makes me feel good. I really appreciate when they do that, for sure. Or when they reply, copying me saying, you shouldn't be talking to me, talk to my partner in FitIT because they're the ones that handle this. Like, you know, it, it really puts things in check. That, that shows you two things. That shows you the loyalty of the customer, first of all, right? And gives you that, that check mark. Joe, you, d- you do know how I fixed that, right? Why don't you share with us? You want to share how you fixed it? No, I don't know if this, if this is something that the, should we put out there? In the- no, you don't want to share that. No. Sorry, guys. Email us at social at itforwhiskey.com. If you want to learn how to go about keeping vendors from contacting your clients. <laughs> there, there's definitely ways. You just got to be creative. I think the most important thing, though, is if you have an open relationship with your customer, and it's a good one at that, then chances are they're going to behave that way. And they're going to come to you and say, why are they contacting me? And et cetera, et cetera. We had one incident with a, a hardware vendor that a very small client is my neighbor, is just trying to help their, their small operation out. And we sold them some equipment and whatnot. And the vendor was on them saying, well, we can give you better pricing, blah, blah, blah. And there's, they're like, we just, we're six people. Like we just bought everything. I don't need it. Yeah, but our pricing will be better and blah, blah, blah. I threw the guy under the bus and went straight to the VP saying, how is this you know, becoming of a partner model? It isn't, right? And he backed off in a hurry, but it goes to show me, at least, that that customer I know, okay, great, I've got a relationship, the owner is my neighbor, et cetera. That's one thing. But even at that, the staff respected that relationship as well, and they just 
told the guy to screw off and copied me on it. Well, one of the terms I can't stand is one of the, is what I, you know, what we do with our customers, that trusted advisor. Uh, you know, everyone talks about it, but the reality is, is we should be more than that, as in we should be their virtual CTO for majority of our clients. So when a customer has the ability to kind of reach out to us and say, hey, you know, these guys are on my ass. Why are they, you know, always trying to sell me something, a new box? Well, okay, does that new box actually do something for your business to make it better? Now, security is kind of the big topic of this year, so everyone's got a security pitch. And we got to look at the whole kit and caboodle of what it is that they're doing for that company. As customers are kind of moving more and more to the cloud, how do we keep that uh, that data secure without selling them a gazillion different widgets that, that, that do that for them? You know, it's funny, uh, though, you know, what, he's, what he's saying about the trusted advisor, I completely agree. I think that the smaller MSPs, they want to take that stance of a trusted advisor and that's it. And, and they just want to advise. They don't want to be involved in. And I was talking about this in, a, in another thing that I was doing. What thing were you doing, Myron? Can you share? I was on another podcast. <laughs> or maybe it was a TV show. I don't, I don't. Joe, we feel cheated on, don't we? No, actually, because you do the same thing and you won't even tell us about it. So I'm not even going there. That's right. At least I have a pseudonym. He opened up Pandera's box, right? I'm Batman. So I was on a podcast with, with Don recently and Nancy. We were talking about the customers that really take advantage of MSPs are those that really put us on that CIO, VCIO sitting at the table. Going to Chris's point, we, we got to be at the table. We got to be talking, you know, and, and, I, and using Joe's, you know, reference. MSPs are to, to their business that, the same way that lawyers are. You know, we're just another professional service that their business depends on and is cheaper to outsource than bring in-house. And, and you know what I find really funny? I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I want to expand on what you just said. You, you just triggered something. We recently had a situation with a customer, a long-term customer. The previous executive team, everything was great for like a decade and whatnot. And people move on, change roles. The new guy comes in and he's like, well, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I need to tender everything, et cetera, et cetera. And we're like, okay, that's great. But you have another 18 months on your existing agreement. Well, I didn't sign that. We said, well, that's great. But we've been trying to do these quarterly briefing reviews with you and you ignored them. What it comes down to, we're convinced he just wants to bring his own people in. And that, that's fine. That's just part and parcel to the business. But the irony is we're like, well, that's great, but these QBRs, you ignore them and you kept canceling them. And then you just said, no, let's not do them. Well, his response as well, they were more like a sales pitch than anything. We never actually tried to sell you anything in these things. All we talked about is what we've done for you over the last 90 days and where things are going and want to get a handle on the business so we can keep you efficient for the next 90 days. And... He completely ignored it, and he was like, well, you should have told me that things were renewing. Well, we tried, but you didn't let us. And this whole big deal all about, and that's what happens when you, dis, you get out of sync with a customer. So it's, it's really important to, to keep synchronized. And, you know, lesson learned is that I don't care how much they're going to say no to these things. I'm going to keep on them and, and just keep bugging them until they give us these QBRs, because that's the thing that makes the difference. That's how you protect what you've built. Yeah, and, and, and how, that's how you protect them as well, because we had a customer that held back on some security things that we wanted to, that they needed, and recently had a scare of a security breach. 
And all of a sudden you're like, well, we've been, we've been telling you, you need this stuff. You know, you may look at it as a sales pitch, but in reality, these are things that you need. The classic, I told you so. I hate, you hate saying it, but it's true. That's right. So, but we, as, as the provider, as the expert, we have to bring that stuff up in those QBRs. We have to make sure that they understand it because if we don't, and they do have a breakdown, if they have a, a, a incident or whatever, they're going to say, why didn't you tell us? The other thing I find very interesting as well is during these QBRs, traditionally, the sales account manager would, would lead it. I'll give you an example. We have another customer that for about a year and a half, I was positioning a technology, security technology to him. And he was just like, oh my God, every time I talk to you, it's another monthly click. And he took it on as I was trying to sell him something. I said, no, you asked a question that your customer is imposing a requirement on you. This is the answer. Whether you like it or not, I don't, I can't, I mean, I didn't say in those words, but the reality is, I know what you're going to say. I hate to say it. Your secret weapon in every MSP should be your talk technical person. If you can find the person that talk tech and not sales, tell them everything they need to hope to know without putting a dollar price beside it. You will have the cash making person right there. Yeah. That's the funny thing. That's what happened with us with this one customer. It's happened quite a few times where. I'll have been positioning something for like a year, a year and a half. And I'm like, no, I don't talk dollars. I'm, I'm trying to address their business objective, but they see me as a salesperson. I can say everything the same that Chris will say, for example. And for a year and a half, they're not listening to me because I'm a sales guy trying to make a commission in their eyes. Joe, you can sell ice to an Eskimos. Well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> what about the MSP? What about the MSP that? recommends the wrong things and makes things worse, actually. That's more of a damage control than anything else. I love those guys because that means we get new business. Right. That is probably the worst thing you could ever do is you need to make sure that you know what you're doing before you make recommendations because I run in situations right. where... Right, but we're talking... If we're talking about something like, you know, we, we're a, a partner with a certain security vendor. We work with them a lot, et cetera, et cetera. This customer comes to me and says, you know, this is what I have a need. Okay, we've been telling you about this, well, this does fit fit your need. And then they come back and say, no, 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 no. The irony is I'll send Chris in and in 15 minutes, he doesn't talk about the money. He's like, well, it's a very simple conversation. I'll have the same conversation, by the way. Simple, simple conversation. Requirement A, answer A. Requirement B, answer B. Requirement C, answer C. This is the answer, right? And they're like, ah, oh, it's too much money. Then Chris goes in, 10 minute conversation. And they're like, Okay, requirement A, answer A. Requirement B, answer B. Requirement C, answer. This is the answer. Okay, we'll go. And they didn't even talk about money. And Chris is like, well, it looks like Joe's already quoted this to you. Oh, it's the same thing. Okay, now I get it. It's the same conversation from two different people. Sounds like, sounds like Chris, sounds like Chris can sell better than I hate you. to say it though. It's not a sales thing. It's just a, hey, this so, is. So Chris actually sells by not selling. It's <laughs> true. It's just what they need. Right. That by not selling. Right. No, I mean, look, look, I, and I get it with my partnership with Giovanni, right? When we were just on the MSP side, Giovanni would go in and, and do the, the whole pitch. He would talk about all, everything that they need. He explained it the same way you just explained it. And then I would come in and I'd just say, no, this is why, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not pitching. I'm not selling it. It doesn't sound sales type and then all of a sudden they're like yes we get to close so i mean if you have as an msp those that are listening if you have the ability to have that one-two punch 
that'll increase your success rate tremendously. <laughs> and the funny thing is I, I always look back and I say our biggest sales for the company historically and the most loyal customers we have for the company historically are the ones that Chris and I tag team on. And it's, it's not because our, our staff don't do a good job. It's just we have a chemistry and that's, that's just the, the beauty of our partnership. Craig, let me ask you something really important. Well, boys, I'm not drinking today, but this glass sure has dirty water in it. Oh, <laughs> and what is that dirty water called? Don't be calling my drink dirty. So I'm actually drinking Knob Creek 12 year. <laughs> and this is a Jim Beam product who also makes my favorite bookers. I would have to say for $65, this is an ex excellent whiskey. It's a little more than your regular nine-year price-wise, but it is, it is very good. Craig approves. What about you, Meyer? So um, I think it was in the last episode, Craig talked about this Four Roses select bottle so much. And then earlier this week, I went, I went to, to the liquor store like I always do. I'm taking pictures and sending stuff to, to Craig, and there, there it was that they had a bottle. So I, I ended up buying a bunch more than I, I went to pick up one, and I came out with a box. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying out this Four Roses, which Craig has already talked about. This is the small batch select. It's pretty good. I have, we're, we're about 20 minutes into the podcast, and I've poured myself three times. So it's, it's, it's good. No, no words are slurring yet. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? Well, I hate to say it. My uh, inner Scotsman is starting to show out. I got the red rosy cheeks already starting to pull in. But uh, my, my, I'm drinking one of my favorites, uh, Glen Clinchy, a 12-year-old. I must admit, I did pick it up while I was at the distillery earlier this year before the, the world seemed to have ended. But it is definitely one of my favorite scotches. Lots of family memories with it. Show off. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna show off before the you know the only vacation that someone could have gotten in this year was you know early in the year. I was supposed to be in Scotland in September. All got canceled. Well, funny, you and I were supposed to be in Scotland at the same time, and I don't think we could ever make it line up. Yeah, well that well that trip got canceled in March. Actually, we pulled that we pulled that trip the night before. Well, I got lucky. I got I got home the same day the borders closed. We were flying out the next day. Yeah, so we would have gotten over there, and we would not be able to travel anywhere. We the trains shut down, all kinds. So it was just my brother got there, and he got stuck there. He ended up having to find a, a rinky dink way home that cost him a small fortune. Can you let me see the bottle? Let me see that bottle, Chris. Twenty twenty. Uh, for those, just picture this bottle. It's beautiful. It's got brown liquid in it. It sloshes around, and it's made out of glass. It's awesome. <laughs> I know you can't see it. It also was full when we started this, but it seems to be about halfway full now. That's a Scots problem, I think. Uh, <laughs> Those that are listening, we'd like some feedback. We like suggestions on what, you're, what you'd like to either want us to try as a, a liquor. And also we want suggestions on what you want us to talk about. But more importantly, I'd like to know if you guys would like to see us in video because we've talked about potentially doing a youtube or things of like that there's something to be said about the raw footage and you get the video all the jokes that sometimes get kind of cut out of the actual official podcast and it just goes on to a like a youtube or vimeo type platform no one wants to see us let's be brutally honest no one wants to see four guys drink scotch it'd be uh, unedited It'd be unedited. I don't know if I signed up for something that's unedited. Not for this one, but moving forward, moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, let us know if you'd like to see the video of it, if it's of any interest. Social at itforwhiskey.com. Reach us at IT for Whiskey, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. 
Twitter, Venmo, whatever you <laughs> So I, I'm going to just wrap up with what I'm drinking today. And then we'll get back on topic du jour. We're going to wrap up with it. So I'm drinking a Glengoyne. It's a Glengoyne. It's a, it's a Highland. The interesting thing about this scotch is they actually don't put any artificial coloring in it. That's one of their, their things is everything's naturally colored. That's their, their thing, I guess, as a distillery. It's actually not bad. The bottle's not that expensive. I think this was Canadian dollars, about $70. And um, their slogan is Glen of the Wild Geese. So figure that one out. You didn't go to my office and steal a bottle, did no, you? No, no, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> I have my own bar right here. I'm not stealing your bottles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> those, gla- those bottles look pretty empty, though, Joe. You've been, you've been hitting them. I don't know what you're talking about. They're my podcast bottles. I have a new, new shit Well, if we'd had this podcast when we, we said we were, we were supposed to have a very special bottle, but that didn't happen. That's my fault. Next time, if I sh- should be so lucky to be invited back, there may be another bottle. Well, the irony is I've got it right here, Chris. Yeah, I know you do, but I hate to say it. That's one that I coveted specifically for this podcast, so... Well, that, that, that just means we got to bring you back. Right. That's a special surprise that we're not going to even tell you what it is, aside from the fact that it is a space side. And we difference pretty good on that, though. I hate to say it. I've always loved the peat, and you have not. It's not a very peaty scotch, though. Yeah. It, it is not actually. I didn't find it peaty at all, actually. So it's a beautiful bottle. Hey, hey, so for the, for the listeners again, Joe's holding up a beautiful bottle of brown liquid sloshing around. In a glass, in a glass <laughs> bottle. I, I know you're all coveting it and wish you could see it, but mm, baby. <laughs> and the interesting thing is this is one of the last bottles they made. It is bottle number 17,094 out of 18,000 made. Yeah, but you got to get the other bottle. That's the one that we, you know, I let you sample last week in Lou. No, this is the one we opened. Oh, you, d- you went and stole it. See, I knew you went to my office and stole it. I told you when I grabbed it. Uh-huh. That, I no, no, I borrowed it off your desk, but I didn't drink it. When you come to Dallas, I have a bunch of PD bottles that I don't do not like. You can go to town with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have a very good night, and I'll enjoy your couch very much. <laughs> oh, we got, we got, you can take Craig's room. Don't make me upset. <laughs> <laughs> Craig's got a room in my house, if you don't know. Yes, I had a specific of design. So here's the question for you then. What are some of the other things that you're doing to protect your business? You know, protect what you've built. How do you protect not only yourself, but your customers? Give the clients whiskey. That helps. Not everybody likes whiskey. (laughs) Seems to work. (laughs) We do it to our partners. Our Greenlink partners, it works. Right, those are Greenlink partners. The, a lot of them are MSPs and IT providers. Right. That's, that's our customers on the Greenlink side. That's why this thing about IT for whiskey works, because everyone in our industry, the majority of people drink. So, And if you don't, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you need to take a class on it. We'll, we'll, we'll actually be your mentors. We'll teach you. With your, the only cost to it, there's no cost. The only cost is you got to ship us a bottle. We'll walk you through it. We'll do it virtually, and we'll teach you everything you need to know. Yeah, if you're in the U.S., you can't ship to Joe. You can ship it to us, though. Yeah, but we have Canadian MSPs. In all fairness, though, if you want the actual technical side that actually make this crap work, ah! <laughs> I am also all open for that. Uh, you know, bottles are always delivered. Just CO Chris Stock. You're also an alcoholic? What? Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though. Look, Chris has had some calls with some of our members on the Cinetech side and has helped tremendously with, with some cool, innovative ways to uh, get over some challenges we had with 
with our PSA. So, but he definitely is is a special person. I'm a nerd at heart. The reality is, I love technology. There's no problem that I don't love to f- figure out. I am a jigsaw solving puzzle. That's what I live for. And and the funny thing is, you can buy his time with bottles of scotch. This is true. Or Venmo. <laughs> or <laughs> scotch is preferred. And if you don't like what Chris is, Chris says, you could just call me and I'll make stuff up for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like what Craig says a lot better. Yeah. Sounds good. No, look, I mean, when it comes to protecting the business, right, I, it, it's, it's hard to gain customers. It's hard to keep them. What happens when you have, you know, a good account that it's taken years to set up where it is, and then you have this printer guy that comes in selling print management and is trying to get in the door, or you got, you got this other copier guy, a copier guy that's now trying to get in the door, you know, into your space. You know, and you're right. What we, what we did, you're, you, you just nailed something so hard. We created a strategic alliance with a company that all they do is print management. So whenever we hear, we don't want to do print management. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. That's a specialty on its own. And so we partnered with this company. They're local here in Toronto as well, ethical as ever. And the, the owner of that company and, and Chris and I get along really well. And anytime there's an engagement, we're the IT arm for them. They bring us in and we're the, they're our print guys. And guess what that does for us? It protects our business. And he knows I'm not going after his and he won't go after mine. So it's a great partnership and we've won some deals because of it. Bingo. I hate to say it, you got to make sure that that relationship is good enough. The fact that, hey, you know what? Some of this print management company is reaching out to me. Well, that's great. What about, you know, I had know these guys, they work really well with us. And we work together to ultimately solve your, your print goals and your IT goals. It's all about making sure that the customer is happy and being served with the way that they need to be served. So not just a dollar value. No, and that's, that's the key. You know, and we, we do that on the, on the MSP side. We have a few partnerships that are very specific, but we work great together because their needs are, are important to us. We don't allow others to come in and start just selling stuff. We have a partner. We have a, it's not a partner. It's somebody that we work with. They're, they're a copier company. They're based out of New Jersey. Um, they're actually a Greenlink car, uh, partner. They sell copiers to, I think it's like, like 40% of our customers in New Jersey because of that, because there's such a good relationship and, and we, we help each other. And that's what it's all about, you know? And the best part is they become an extended eyes and ears for you. And when something comes up, they're the fir- you're the first one they're calling and vice versa. So we protect each other, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I hate to say it. This really comes to an extension of eating your own dog food, making sure that, you know, that's that same. This guy really, this guy really wants to eat dog food. I mean- Have you not heard that expression? That's 90% of what friggin' IT is. It's making sure the simple stuff works. Amen to that. If your end users are fr- frustrated with the simple ability to print, you got a problem. And it, it, it reflects poorly on you. Oh, it totally does. I hate to say it, we've worked with some horrible print management pr- companies in the past that, you know, it, it becomes a finger-pointing game. Well, why isn't some stuff printing? Is that an IT problem or is that a print problem? That's not something you want to be involved in because it tarnishes both sides. Craig, you've been pretty quiet. You got anything to say? I love printers. I love them. You like to sell them? I like to. I sell printers all day, all night. I love selling the hundred dollar printer and then charging a thousand dollars to set it up. And 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 two hundred dollars in toners. Yeah, all the toner you want, unlimited toner. 
We had a we had a customer. Uh, this is years ago that that had a, they had a, a warehouse space in their office, and they had taken like two pallet size bin like spaces, and they just wanted a toner to have in stock. But I'm talking about like an excessive amount of toner. What happens if the printer dies? It does. It does, but that their IT, they, this was, they had an IT person. Their IT person wanted to have, you know, significant stock. We had a client that had an entire closet full of toner. It was just all toner. You know, having a spare, that's a, understandable. It's like toilet paper. <laughs> it's like toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> or lately, like paper towel. What? What happens when the part dies that's worth more than replacing the printer than it is just fixing the thing? What happens if you replace the whole thing and the toner elmer works? That just doesn't seem like a good investment at all. So then what became the problem is over the years, that printer was no longer made, but they had this investment in toner that they didn't want to get rid of it. So we had to source refurbished versions of the printer just to, just to service. I hate to say it, that is very poor IT planning. I completely agree. You know, then uh, soon after the, 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 they decided to go. I like it. That's where we're going down this. Let's do that. LaserJet 4. Don't knock the LaserJet 4. I had one for 15 years. That thing is a machine. <laughs> Let's bring out the old 19, you know, 1990s printer where you used to be able to get just the, you know what? You used to be able to get like just bulk toner, bulk toner, just in the tube. You just put the tube into the toner and away you go. I like tubes and printers. I think it costs you more in hydro to run this. I don't know where we're putting water in the printer, but I like this idea too. Hydro is electric for us Americans. <laughs> or, or U.S. people. I think I think everybody should pour water on top of their printer. Solve a lot of problems. <laughs> Canadians know hydro means electricity. But it's a Canadian term. I'm just making sure they understand. That's just we're very green up here. Niagara Falls, man. It's where it's at. Then there's that. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're starting to call it solar over here. You should be. That's a good thing. I love solar. I love the solar. Yeah. Why do you guys like solar so much? Doesn't doesn't your car run on water? Indirectly. Indirectly, yes, it does. I hate to say it, that is a very sensitive subject to bring up because some people seem to think that just because you, you go green. Hey, hey, you two, you two, Chris and Joe, you should not talk. You, you guys like the solar. I just like the fast that I like the fa- fact that my car goes fast. It goes vroom. He's starting to slur his words. You see that? <laughs> Keep going, Chris. Keep going. Myron's car goes vroom. <laughs> right. Our cars go fast as well. They go vroom, but no, actually, our cars go vroom. <laughs> and and then all all I know is most people hang on for their dear life. I, I get a feeling this is all going downhill now. Just so. because you have go green, that that means that there's a, an incentive in behind or a dollar figure put behind. Just because you value the environment, but whatever. Hey, my company's called GreenLink. This is true. I think we're done. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> So, so the message for today, uh, for our, our listeners is do what it takes to protect your business. Do what it takes to protect what you've built. Make sure you have good relationship with your customer. The same relationship is re- required with the vendors as much as possible. That's always a challenge because they have their own objectives, but you got to try to do your best on that front. But most importantly, protect yourself by protecting your customers. And as Chris said, do what's right by them, and it'll always come back to you in dividends. The reality is your technical people, I know they're not the most sales front-forwarding-facing people, but they are definitely one of your most sales asset people going. 
If you can find someone that can talk tech and not talk sales, but talk sales, you found the, the, the money maker right there. And that's why I like the partnership with Chris. Yeah. Find the gem in your company. Find the gem. I will never confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, why don't you take it away? That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. He's starting to slur his words. (laughs) 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 Kevin, did you get that? Yes, you did. Kevin will fix it. (laughs) 